0: It's good to be here. Are you glad to be here? I am excited for eleven o'clock too, and we invite you to come. Invite you to come out and be part of that as well. So I'm going to be there. We've already we've already uh, done historical things in this church. Amen. <laughs> And we'll, add, and we'll add one more. We'll add one more today. The scripture that we're looking at today is a familiar scripture, and that's the reason I want to look at it today, is because it is so familiar. And you know what happens when something is familiar? We just let it kind of gloss over, don't we? We, we? we don't really hear the words anymore sometimes i suggest that for christians who have been christians for a long time that they they pick up a, a different translation of the scriptures and start reading in a different translation so they'll hear the words again because it'll be it, it, it will be uh, written with a little different nuance and and all the words won't be exactly the same but this is one of those passages which it doesn't really change much from one translation in the English to another. It still sounds the same. So that's why I want to focus in on it, because it's one of those passages that we hear every single month when we serve communion. Right, right, right. That's right. Here it is from the New Living Translation, which is uh, it's one of the translations I use a lot in preaching. For I pass on to you what I receive from the Lord himself, On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Amen. Cannibals. Cannibals. That was the accusation made against the early Christians. Right, right. That they were cannibals. Right. Many pagan idol worshipers called the the early Christians cannibals. Why? Because they often held their worship services privately in secret for fear that, that they would be taken away and crucified like their master had been. Secrecy always breeds that speculation and accusation from those who are on the outside. Wondering what's really going on in the inside. And some of those on the inside had mentioned to each other, they had talked about this special supper that they had, this special meal that they had. Yeah, And this supper involved eating the body and drinking the blood of Jesus. And some on the outside immediately thought, They stole the body of Jesus, and now they're serving it on little plates, and they meet together, and they are cannibals. I mean, it sounded like cannibalism. It, It was shocking. It was disgraceful. It was immoral. It was grotesque. It was an abomination, but it was also a misunderstanding. The Christian disciples hadn't stolen away the body of Jesus. They weren't serving him on little little plates to everyone who came. No, that wasn't it at all. They were having a memorial service, and they were remembering that Christ gave his body for them. They were remembering that Christ shed his blood for them. But the outside world just didn't understand what they had heard about this unusual ritual practiced by the early Christians. We laugh at such nonsense now because we know better. How could anyone think that we were cannibals? But then again, how much do we really know about the service that we hold in this church once a month, in some churches every single Sunday? Today is World Communion Sunday. Now, a lot of denominations don't really celebrate it. I come from a Methodist Episcopal background, right. so you'll have to excuse me if, if once in a while I, I, I talk about uh, I talk about the church year and things that well, things that, that we may not celebrate too much here. But today is World Communion Sunday. It was a very very important Sunday. All around the world today, the first Sunday in October, all around the world, various denominations of Christians are celebrating the Lord's Supper. Because everyone doesn't always celebrate the Lord's Supper like we do on the first Sunday of every month. But, But World Communion Sunday. It, it, it's, it's meant to be a show of unity and solidarity uh, Of common faith and practice All around the world today Christians are meeting together And they are breaking bread And, and they, are, they are, are, are partaking in the cup And, and so I want to talk a little bit about What does that really mean? Because we are living in troubled times, folks Have you noticed that? I've got good news and bad news, I think The good news is, God is on the throne. And we know that ultimately, he will rule and he will reign. I've read the end of the book. We come out the winners. The bad news. I really believe it's going to get worse before it gets better. The Lord's Supper is an ordinance in the church that binds us as Christians together. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you think about on the mission field. Missionaries on the, on the foreign fields, they have long understood how this works. We in America have not understood how it works. But we are going to have to learn. Yeah, yeah. Missionaries in the field, if you're a Baptist missionary in the field and you get you're, you're stationed at a mission station, one of the questions you usually don't ask is, "Well, how how close is the nearest Baptist mission station to my Baptist mission that's statement?" Right, that's right, that's right, that's right. Because that may be thousands of miles away. That's right, that's right. No, what they ask is, "How close is the nearest Christian mission statement yeah. st- station?" in case I need supplies, in, in case something goes wrong, in case I may just simply need some fellowship. Right. That's right. That's right. And, and And he's not too concerned about whether it's an Episcopalian or a Methodist or a Presbyterian or a Pentecostal running it. He doesn't really care whether it's black Christians or white Christians or brown Christians. He doesn't really care. What he cares about is Do they name the name of Jesus? Do they look to the cross at Calvary? Do they believe in the triune Godhead, the creator, the almighty God, creator of the universe? Do they worship the same Jesus that I worship? And if they do, that's good enough. We are coming to that point in this country. Because up until now, we have been very, very fortunate. We have been the majority. Mm -hmm. The laws have usually been on our side, but society is changing. And you are going to see changes. If you think you've seen changes, my prediction is you're going to see a lot more changes coming in the next few years. I believe we are approaching that same situation right here. We no longer can we play around arguing our Methodist distinctive, our Baptist distinctive, our Pentecostal distinctive. You know, we've gotten away with it for a long time in this nation. Even though each denomination has its own take on how to serve the Lord's Supper. And I mean, there are... There are so many different ideas and practices. I mean, even, what do you call it? Is it the Lord's Supper? Is it Mass? Is it the Eucharist? Is it Communion? Is it the Lord's Table? And and then, wafers or loaves? Wafers or loaves. And if you go with the loaf idea, individual loaves or one big loaf? And then individual cups or or one big communion cup or, yeah, community cup. And then what do you put in that cup? Is it grape juice or or is it wine? Do you serve it in the seats to people sitting in the seat or do they have to come to the altar and, and receive it? And who serves it in the first place? Must there be an ordained elder present or can anyone serve communion. Wow. Uh, and and taking communion. Does everyone take it at the same time together or do we take it individually as soon as we receive the elements because it's an individual communion with the Lord? Oh, we can go on and on. I have those are the practical aspects uh, that you have to consider. Uh, we haven't even talked about the theological aspects, and, and we won't even get into that today. Yes, that's right. that's good. That's good. That's good. But while many different Christian groups may differ on these various points, nevertheless, most Christians celebrate the Lord's Supper, whatever they call it. Yes, right. yeah. You see, it's one of those things that binds us together. Right. It's one of those things where in which we can find common ground with other believers in the faith. Yeah. So let's look at the Lord's supper and let's take it apart in the next 20 minutes, 15 to 20 minutes that we have together. First of all, in this passage, I see I see his incarnation. I see the incarnation of Jesus. Right. But Jesus, Jesus took some bread, and he gave thanks to God for it, and then he broke it into pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. The incarnation, the second person of the Trinity, took on a human form when he was born in Bethlehem as a baby. He became a human. This divine second person of the, the Godhead God himself took on a human body. We call it the incarnation. Romans 8.3, God sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have, yet he was not a sinner. Philippians 2.7, instead he, meaning Jesus, gave up his divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being, When he appeared in human form. Jesus never had to leave heaven. He didn't have to. Let's face it. That was a comfortable place. Seated on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Second person of the Trinity. Creator of the world. He didn't have to do this. He never had to take on a human body that was obviously beneath the dignity of almighty God. But he did. That's the incarnation. And we see it as we celebrate communion. He took on a body. Secondly, I I see his devotion. The Lord Jesus took some bread, and he gave thanks to God for it. Now, we, we pass over these scriptures, and we say, yeah, 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 I know that, I know that, I know that. I want you to think about that for a moment. He took some bread, and he gave thanks to God for it. For what? For the bread. What does the bread represent? He just told us his body. Jesus gave thanks for his body. How often do you give thanks for your body? That that body that's deteriorating. That body that's wearing out. Jesus gave thanks for that body that he decided to take on himself. That same body that had given him 30 years of hard work and toil and labor and pain. The body that he knew was going to give him so much pain. Within the next twenty-four hours, as he would be beaten and whipped, he would be he he would be stuck with a spear. He gave thanks for it. Think of all the time we complain about our bodies. I mean, everyone can't have a body like me. <laughs> I, I'm, sorry, I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But we complain about them. We have aches and pains. Do you think Jesus ever got tired? Do you think his muscles ever got sore? You bet they did. But yet he took the time to give thanks for his body. It it leads us immediately right into his suffering. What did he do with that loaf of bread? He broke it into pieces. That's his body. He broke it into pieces. He did not ask Judas to break it. Right, right. Here, Judas, you're going to betray me. Traitor, you break this bread. Oh, no. He didn't ask Peter to do it. Yeah, that's right. Peter, you're going to deny you even knew me, and you are my right-hand man. For three years, you've been my man. And you're going to deny you even knew who I was. He, he, didn't, he didn't ask Peter to break it. Why? Jesus told us, John ten eighteen. No one can take my life from me, he said. I sacrifice it voluntarily. For I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also to take it up again. For that is what my Father has commanded. Why did he do it? He did it voluntarily for you and for me. Ephesians 5.2, live a life filled with love, the Apostle Paul writes, following the example of Christ. He loved us, and he offered himself as a sacrifice for us. It moves on and talks about his substitution. Verse 24, this is my body, he said, this is my body which is given for you. Wasn't broken by accident. This was planned. This was prepared. If Isaiah 53, he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. And that was written hundreds of years before Jesus ever took on that human body. This was planned. It was planned that he would be the substitution for us. Whereas you and I, we deserve to be up on that cross. We deserve to pay the price for our sins. But Jesus said, I'll do it for them. Let me go and I'll do it. We're likely to take these words lightly, my body which is given for you. What would be the thoughts in his mind when he was uttering them? Jesus already saw the cross. Oh, the disciples didn't. Jesus already saw the cross. Jesus already saw Judas going and betraying him. Jesus already saw himself hanging on the cross and the disciples fleeing, being arrested in the garden of Gethsemane, the disciples taking off and, not being there when he died. Jesus already saw Peter saying, I don't know the guy. You got me wrong. You got me mixed up with somebody else. Yeah, that's right, that's right. Jesus saw all that. Yeah, yeah. He saw all of it. He already saw it coming. But love constrained him. Yeah, yeah. This is my body given for you. Yeah. This is my blood shed for you. Yeah. Jesus, before he ever went to the cross, he saw you, and he saw me, That's right. That's right. and he saw the lives we were living without him, yes, yes. and he knew that we needed a Savior just as much as those who were gathered around him in Jerusalem on that, on that crucifixion day needed a Savior. He knew that 2,000 years later, you would be sitting in that pew, and you needed a Savior yes. Because you too have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. He saw it. He saw you. and He saw me. And he knew that we needed this. And then we move on to his invitation. Do this to remember me. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. I forget easily. How about you? I have a better memory than my wife. <coughs> she will tell you. She has this tendency to just leave things. I have a I have a, a saying. A place for everything and everything in its place. It doesn't mean that I'm, I'm, I'm well organized. It doesn't mean that if you walk into my office, either one of my offices at home or here, it doesn't mean you're not going to find piles and, and, and everything. But I know where everything is. Yeah. <laughs> but my wife will literally walk into my office, my home office, and she will take her shoes off uh, when she sits down. You know, to talk to me for a while, and then she will get up and she'll leave, and her shoes will be right there. And then, and I I won't move them. I'll just leave them there. It's, we've done it for third over thirty years. I just leave them there, but I make a mental note those shoes that all right, they took. them. Right there. And then two or three days later, have you seen my shoes? The, the ones the you know the ones with the little pearl things. I said, yeah. They're next to the chair you sat in in my office. Uh, Just go get them. We've done that for 30 some years. But I forget things too. We all are forgetful, out of sight, out of mind. It's easy to forget things, it's easy to forget the Lord and His blessings. It's too easy. One of the main purposes behind the ritual that we call the Lord's Supper or communion, one of the main purposes is that it is a constant reminder for you to remember the Lord. That's why he instituted this. To remember all that he has done for you. To remember his death on the cross. One cardinal value of remembering the Lord lies in the fact that the world will not be able to exert its influence on you nearly as much if you keep in mind what Jesus has done for you. You will be able to turn away from the world and all of its, its luring, luring you in. You will be able to turn away from that if you remember what Christ has done for you. Remembering the Lord also dispels division within his body. We partake of the same Lord. We partake of the same body, the same blood. We are all saved through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, through our faith. But it is the same Lord. It doesn't matter whether you're white or black. It doesn't matter whether you call yourself a Baptist or a Methodist or Episcopalian or Presbyterian. It doesn't matter. We are saved through the same Jesus. After atonement has been made by his suffering and death, there comes this invitation to partake of the benefits purchased. Grace is obtained through us remembering and meditating and pondering upon the meaning of this ordinance. Let's move on. His purpose. Verse 26, every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death. That seems a bit odd. Every time we celebrate communion, we are announcing the Lord's death. Oh, but we don't like to announce the Lord's death. We like to announce the Lord's resurrection. We don't like to think about the cross too much. We don't like to think about Good Friday because we want to focus on Easter. There is no sacrament or ordinance in the church left to announce his incarnation. Oh, I know, we make a big deal of it at Christmas, and that's fine. But there was no sacrament or ordinance instituted in the New Testament, specifically to remind us of the Incarnation, was there? There was nothing instituted to remind us of his transfiguration, which was a major event in the New Testament. Again, one we tend to gloss over. There was nothing ever instituted to remind us of his ascension into heaven. There was nothing actually instituted to remind us of his resurrection, a major event. But he never instituted; he never said, "This you've got to do." This only his crucifixion. Wow! Did you ever think of that? His crucifixion. The two ordinances in the church are baptism, identifying with Christ, and the Lord's Supper. That's it. Some of our Christian brethren add foot washing to that. Others add holy matrimony and unction at, at, at the time of death. But by and large, we Protestants tend to stick to these two. We identify these two. Baptism and the Lord's Supper. We tend to de-emphasize, though, the crucifixion. We take Christ off the cross. We have that empty cross. Why? Because we want to let that remind us of the resurrection. We always want the resurrection, but let me tell you something. There is no Easter Sunday without Good Friday. How do the apostles approach this? The Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians 23, we preach Christ crucified. Right. Wow. Galatians, the Paul says again, as for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. All of our salvation comes from Christ and his work on the cross at Calvary. His body was broken and his blood was shed. Yeah. And every single time we take communion, it should focus our eyes towards the cross. And we are proclaiming the Lord's death. And then his pronouncement. Verse 26, you are announcing the Lord's death when you partake in communion until he comes again. Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled in John 14. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You trust in God, trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. You are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Christ is coming again. Oh, we can, we can get into all kinds of, of, of problems trying to figure it out. How and when and where and oh, there's so much. But the bottom line is Christ is coming again. Why do the cup and the bread represent Christ's death? When the body is separated from the blood. You've got death. Yeah. You cannot live if you don't have blood pumping through the veins of your body. When blood and body are separated it means death. Today the blood and the body are separated when we take the Lord's Supper. We hold one in one hand and one in the other hand. Right. Right. That Visually, ought to remind us Christ died for us. Yeah, 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 that's good. That's good. Every time you dine at the Lord's table may you be reminded of all that he has done for you. When Christ comes again as he promised we will have no need to celebrate Holy Communion because he will be with us. And we will be with him forever. But until that time, remember that Christ died for you. Until that time, remember that Christ gave his body for you. Until that time, remember that Christ shed his blood for you. Until that time, remember that Christ is coming back for you.